Uh, let me read it to you. Uh, Hebrews 11 and verse 6. Now, Brother Hale, we were just singing about you must be born again. And this wouldn't mean anything to the normal natural person because they, they usually don't believe in God. Now, everybody says they do believe in God, but they don't know anything about him. They've never spent any time searching the scriptures or studying the scriptures to learn about our God. So Hebrews 11:6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now that is so loaded with information. You must have faith. Where does faith come from? Well, that comes from God himself. He gives you the faith to believe him. And you've got to believe that God is, that he's the uh, rewarder of those that diligently seek him, and that he's also the uh, punisher of those who have broken his law. So uh, you and I know from our friends, our associates, family members, neighbors, people at football games, baseball games, in the mall, they uh, don't think too much about God, don't think about the fact that they're going to die. But that's kind of the basis of our ministry here, to let you know that you're going to die, and that you're a sinner like uh, Brother Hale and we just sang, oh, how great it is to be a sinner who's trusting in the Lord. That is as big a blessing as you'll ever get in this life. So this morning we had started our message on Christ as our hope. And the Bible speaks about some folks that don't have a hope. Well, that's in First Thessalonians. First uh, Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. Uh, verse uh, 13. Now, in the rest of this verse, um, the rest of this chapter, rather, is talking about the second coming of Christ. Once again, a subject that most churches uh, just kind of ignore. They want you to concentrate on today and be good and do this and do that. But uh, one of the main doctrines in God's Word is the second coming of the Lord Jesus. And in verse 13 it says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep or dead in Christ, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Now our scripture this morning told us that the Lord Jesus Christ was our hope. Those that don't know him have no hope. Well, you use the other definition of hope is something you kind of look for in the future and, and hope that it takes place. Uh, we also have that other definition as a believer, knowing that there, well, let me show that to you too. It's in Titus, just a couple pages now to your right. Titus is going to talk about a, uh, a blessed hope. It's in Titus 2, verse 13 looking for that blessed hope 
and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Most people take that as a one-event thing. I always look at it as a two-event thing. Looking for the blessed hope. That's the Lord Jesus Christ to come a day of resurrection. Give us our new bodies. If we're living, we get new bodies anyhow. If we have died in Christ, we will receive a new body then. That's the blessed hope. And it says, and, and the glorious appearing. Well, that's something altogether different. That's when we come back with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's his glorious appearing. And that's described in various places in the Bible, including the 14th chapter of Zechariah. Uh, it's an interesting study because there seems to be so many things that, have, that will take place before this glorious appearing. Now, nothing has to take place for the Lord Jesus to come back on the day of resurrection. Uh, there's nothing to have to be fulfilled that can happen at any moment right now. Israel is back in the land. The nations are aggravated or angry with Israel. Uh, that's kind of mysterious in itself. Why should the Arabs be so uh, uh, cantankerous or hate Israel so much when neither one of them believe in the Lord Jesus. Uh, Jews don't believe in him. Then they're one of the biggest haters in the world. But so are Muslims. So why the Muslims hate the Jews so bad? Well, I guess it's because they all have the same great-grandfather, Abraham. Abraham had uh, Ishmael. And uh, Abraham is the father of the Arabs, the same as he's the father of the Jewish nation. And their hatred is unusual. And then there's, besides these nations that hate Israel, there's going to be the rise of an antichrist, a person who is going to come and uh, convince people by miracles that he is God, that he is the Christ, and uh, that's all something got to take place and we call that the time of the tribulation when he's going to make every nation in the world bow down to his rule so that's got to take place but that all takes place when we're not here that all takes place before his glorious appearing this well let's read it go to Zechariah just a minute Zechariah 14 we can't read that enough. It's on page 1394. Uh, this is future. It's going to happen. And like I say, there's things like the rise and, rise and fall of the Antichrist in between here. Verse 1, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I, now God's speaking here, I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. We blame different nations for doing different things. Is it going to be Iran? Is it going to be the United States? Who's the head of the UN? Who's the one calling the shots here? You know, God says, I. I'll gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. And the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half the city shall go forth into captivity. And a residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. What that means there and now, I don't know. I'm just, uh, I can understand the parts that I can understand. 
There are always things in the Bible I don't understand. First it says a city shall be taken, but then it says half the city. So is it still divided between Jews and Muslims at this point? I don't know. Then, this is so big, shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. All the Lord does is speak. No matter how many millions and millions of soldiers or people are against Jerusalem and Israel at this time, they fall dead. He speaks and it's over. All right, now we're going to go back and find out where this all takes place. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. So that's right outside of Jerusalem. In fact, the scripture that we had the other night in Mark 13 said, The Lord sat on the Mount of Olives which overlooked the temple. So from the Mount of Olives you could see the temple in Jerusalem. His feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley. Half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. All right, there's going to be some physical changes in Mount Olive at that time. Uh, it's something we've got to see. I can't explain it to you. Ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azale. Ye shall flee like as when ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And, you know, I never remember even reading that, uh, that there was an earthquake in those days. But here's what's important. And the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. Okay? Here's an Old Testament prophecy that the ones that the Lord raises from the dead and changes living believers are going to come back with him and all the saints with thee. It's just amazing, okay? Uh, let's see where we left off this morning. Uh, we read this morning one of the last things was that in Hebrews 7.25 it says our Lord Jesus Christ is at the Father's right hand making intercession for us. If he didn't, we'd be goners. You and I can't tell when the Holy Spirit is directing us and when he isn't. But the very fact that we survive, the very fact that we endure the very fact that we're still believers is proof that God's Holy Spirit indwells the believer. Now many hope for great things and fall short, but there's no danger here with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our hope. He makes us not ashamed, and that means not disappointed. And uh, the reason is God's love to us. It's an eternal love. We read that this morning in Jeremiah 31.3. And uh, that also happens to be the reason why we love him. Look at 1 John 4.10. 1 John 4.10. Herein is love... Not that we loved God, meaning first, but that he loved us 
and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation, big word, means acceptable sacrifice. God demands a sacrifice. He demands a price to pay for our sin debt. The Lord Jesus Christ provided that with his blood. That's what God demanded as the ransom price. Pure, sinless, spotless blood. And the Lord Jesus Christ provided that. And then if you go to verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. And finally, the Lord Jesus Christ is our hope because he is Jesus, a Savior. He was prophesied to be that, and that's what he is. Look at Matthew 1 and verse 21. Matthew 1, 21. This chapter in the Bible may not be understood by a lot of people who don't know the progression in the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, the story behind the story. Now this chapter is going to tell you that Joseph is all perturbed because Mary's pregnant. You know that she had to tell him about the angel Gabriel appearing to her. And he does not believe it. He doesn't believe it any more than you and I would believe it if uh, my wife was to tell me she's pregnant now with uh, a baby and it's going to be the Son of God. But uh, I'm talking about if I was a young person. Nothing had happened in Israel for well over 250 years. There had been no appearances of angels. There had been... Uh, no miracles performed. God had seemed to have shut the door on Israel. They were now captive of the, the nation of Rome. There were soldiers probably on every street corner, and they were having a heyday over there. So if you want to read verse 18 in, uh, in Matthew 1, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his Mary mother was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So the normal person reading the Bible hasn't got a clue what went on before she talked to Joseph here about her being pregnant. What had happened is uh, Angel Gabriel appeared to her about three months before this, told her that she was going to be pregnant with the child, Jesus and uh, also told her that her cousin, uh, her cousin Elizabeth, is now six months pregnant with John the Baptist. So Mary immediately takes off to go see her cousin. It's when she comes back that now she's showing and she tells Joseph. So that's why he's perturbed. He doesn't understand how that could possibly happen and that she's making up a story. So verse 19 says, And Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Well, Mary had told him that, but he didn't believe it. So I'm sure now when they compare, I bet you 
Uh, Mary says, what did this angel look like that you had a dream about? Well, when he described him to Mary, Mary said, well, isn't that exactly how I described him to you, the one that appeared to me? His name is Gabriel. And what he says to Joseph in his dream is the same thing probably she told, he told Mary. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Who's his people? His people, first of all, are the Jewish nation. He's born into a Jewish family, born into the nation of Israel. I don't think he ever traveled outside of the nation of Israel. First of all, that's his people, but that's only the smaller definition. His people are those that the Father gave him back in eternity, those that he should save from their sins. This is a number of people that no man can number. Uh, it's a tremendous multitude. It starts with the martyr Abel. He's the first one to die as a believer in Christ. I'm sure it includes his mother and his father, Adam and Eve, and all those that were believers down through all the ages. That's his people. And there's still some of his people that are going to be saved yet. They're only known to God. As we preach through the years and we want the Lord to save different ones of our family or our friends, uh, we still haven't got a clue whether God's going to deliver them or not. Sometimes there's hope when they come to hear or when they say they want a Bible or they uh, want a tape or or a book, we, we get delighted and then we find there's no change, there's nothing ever happened. Uh, they, well, it's all in God's hands. We do the announcing, he does the saving. And we'll keep on announcing till the day that we quit breathing. All right, now he's also our hope because he is the Lord. Look at uh, Revelation 19 and verse 16. Revelation 19, 16, and this is a great one. You must remember the things in the book of Revelation from chapter 4 on are future. A lot of people like to run the church all the way through the book of Revelation. That's not so. That's not the way it'll be. This is future. But we're finding out that uh, when he does come back, in verse 15 it says, Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. It's the word of God. And I told you from Zechariah 14, he speaks. And they, all the enemies drop dead. That's the sharp sword from his mouth. All he has to do is speak. See, and with it he should smite the nations, and he is going to rule them with a rod of iron. But, verse 16, And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. There's no king like our Lord Jesus. He is the Lord. There's no other uh, one that we worship. We worship the Father. We worship the Spirit, but we worship both of them through the Son. No man cometh to the Father but by me. The Holy Spirit takes the things of Christ and reveals them to our heart. He's the worker. 
the Lord Jesus Christ has done what God the Father has uh, recommended, and not recommended, but rather demanded. And it's all because of the Father's love to sinners that he chose back in eternity. So he's uh, almighty to save. He has almighty power. All others, all other hopes are weak and unable to perform like our God can. Now the Lord Jesus Christ is our hope because the anointed of God to be both Lord and Jesus. If you'll turn to Acts 10, look at verse 28. Acts 10 and verse 28. Uh, that doesn't seem to be the scripture I want. Oh, maybe. Let me read it. And he said unto them, Ye know how that is unlawful for a man that is a Jew to keep company or to come unto one, an, one of another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. And that's not the scripture I intended to read, and I don't even know where it is now. I see, I said he's the anointed of God to be both Lord and Jesus. Uh... I think we have that back here in the first part of Acts. And that like Acts of 4 and verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now under heaven is a long, long area. That means no matter where on earth somebody would come up with a religion or an idea, there's still no other name but the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Christ lives forever, therefore your hope is eternal. Blessed be God, we have hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And what does he say he's going to do for us? Well, look at John 10 and verse 28. In John ten twenty eight, he says, And I give unto them eternal life. It never starts with a million years or ten thousand years or a thousand years. Our Lord Jesus Christ is speaking seriously and truthfully says he gives us eternal life. That means there will be no end to our life. There will be no end to the joy in our life. Now, one moment with the Lord Jesus Christ will, will exceed any joyful, happy moment that we have in this life. And that's just the first moment. And that will continue on throughout eternity, a life of happiness, bliss, but particularly thankfulness that the Lord Jesus Christ gave us 
eternal life because he paid our sin debt so that we could have it. That's love. I can't explain it. I don't have words. I'm not a great orator about things like that. But the Lord Jesus Christ loved us enough to come to this filthy earth, suffer, bleed, and die, keep the law perfectly in the meantime, even with the nation of Rome governing the country. Do you know how aggravated you can get with different things that happen in the government? How um, they should do this or they should do that or they didn't do this or do that and it can get you. Our Lord lived in horrible times. And yet the scripture says in the fullness of time God sent his son to save sinners. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank thee tonight for our Lord Jesus that we can talk about him, read about him and that we have a wonderful hope in him. Hope in this life and hope in the life to come. The life to come being the real life. This is just the preface of the book. Our names are written in the book of life and uh, our hearts can't even begin to imagine the joy of just being with God's people, being in his family, being with the Lord Jesus Christ throughout eternity. We ask thy spirit to make these things real to our heart. Give us meditation and thoughts throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month to just thank you and praise you for making a difference in our lives. We pray this all in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.